Sarah, welcome to Conversations with Doc Martin. This video series focuses on extraordinary people doing extraordinary things. And you know what? Today's no exception. We're joined by my friend, Gaetan Pellerin. Gaetan is an experienced sales and marketing executive with over 30 years of global experience in negotiation and sales management, and he's negotiated multi-million dollar contracts in Japan, China, Thailand, Europe, and North America. He spent the last 11 years as a negotiation consultant and an executive coach, we have that in common, while focusing on his own development. Gaetan loves helping and coaching people to see how much they can gain in confidence and the ability to see themselves. And this passion combined with his development has led him to write a book, which is entitled Mindful Negotiation, being more aware in the moment, conquering your ego and getting everyone what they really want. I'm super excited to talk to her about it because the book explores the relationship and the impact of mindfulness in negotiation situations where ego can be triggered. And last but certainly not least, Gaetan is originally from Montreal, Canada, lives in Scottsdale, Arizona with his wife and stepson, and also has two grown sons who live in Montreal. So Gaetan, welcome, welcome, welcome to you. Well, thank you, Martin. I'm honored and excited to be here today. Yeah, super fun. We we're chatting at dinner when uh, you were so kind to uh, give me the gift of your book, which I'm so enjoying. Um, it's it's so well written. It's so easily it, it's so it's such an easy read from a comprehension perspective. And that's that's not an easy trick. Um, and so uh, kudos to you, my friend. It's I'm really enjoying the, the process of bringing these concepts into my life. And so, you know, we, we talked a little bit about your background. I'd love for you to maybe give it a little bit more color, give it a little bit more background about you know, kind of how you ended up coming to where you are today. Yeah, so first of all, just to go back in the story, when I was a kid, my dad was a firefighter. And, mm -hmm. you know, like every kid, you wanted to do what dad was doing. Yeah. Wanted to be a firefighter. And, you know, I didn't understand what was the meaning behind it other than just doing what dad was doing. As I was going to high school and everything, I was very attracted to healthcare. Mm -hmm. And my background is nuclear medicine. So, you know, injecting radioactive products into a patient to diagnose them, cure them, and they sometimes treat the cancer. But what was attracting, attractive to me was the ability to help people. Mm. And I thought this is what the same attraction being firefighter bring people to safety. So really helping people. So I chose healthcare, stayed there for 14 years, started as a summer job, ended up managing the department. And after that, I was starting to be bored. So I transitioned to sale okay. and I was hired as a sales rep. Um, I got sales rep of the year twice in a row. I did my MBA. I had three promotion or five promotion in three years, Oof. including VP global sales, which was my dream job, Martin. But I was impatient and unhappy. Mm. So in 2010, a big event happened in my life, like, you know, all of us got triggered by that. I got let go into a reorg. Yeah. And I kind of forced myself to look, okay, so asking a question about my life, right? It's like, why am I so dissatisfied? I got everything I wanted mm -hmm. and I still don't feel happiness inside of me. Yep. Right. I turned down several job offers in management. You know, I, it's like... I knew what I didn't want to do anymore, but mm -hmm. I was not quite sure what to do next. Right. I met a transition coach that was super awesome. And she says, 
Talk to me about times and moments in your life where you felt passionate and where you felt you make a difference with people. And it was not about my resume or anything. It's like the best days for me was when I was on the road with my sales team, preparing for negotiation, coaching them, you know, doing a good job in the moment, also learning from areas of improvement. Mm -hmm. Here we go. So that was my next career. I, I started to work for a negotiation consulting company. I also became an executive coach because that was my passion. And at the suggestion of my executive coach, I joined a personal development group called the um, Diamond Approach. Mm -hmm. And I really worked hard for the last 11 years about ego and mindfulness and how ego was keeping me prisoner of my own emotional patterns and mm -hmm. emotional reactivity. Sure. That's a, that's a fascinating background. And, and it's, you know, it's funny how life brings you to a given place in which yeah. you are today. Totally. And so many people particularly in those, those days between 2008 and I guess really fair to say 2008 to 2011, uh, even 2012, you know, things were so scary. And because of that fear, mm -hmm. it would have been so easy to take the easy route, which I'm defining as staying within the field in which you could have gotten a job pretty easily. Right? Totally. Yeah. Uh, but you didn't do that. Yeah. And so, you know, that, that's, that's, says a lot about you, frankly. And it, it kind of makes me wonder too, because nobody told you how to write a book. You're, you're, you're not making a living by writing a book. And, and it's an absolutely fantastic read. We're going to get into that. But why, why now? Why, why, why now? Because it's a lot of work. Oh, yeah, you're <laughs> totally correct. Yeah. So first of all, um, writing a book Came, came up one morning after a meditation, right? Mm -hmm. uh, five years ago, or six years ago, I was in the personal development program, understand ego and mindfulness and everything. And suddenly one morning it came up to me that writing a book about negotiation and mindfulness, that will be my contribution to the world. And now, Martin, you can say, oh, Gaetan, you're, you're jumping on your big horses here. And <laughs> it, it was just a feeling of helping people. It was sure. my offer, right? So very humbly, I started to communicate to my family, my friends, that I was writing a book because when you share your objective with other people, you get accountability, right? You cannot mm -hmm. go back. And write, wrote a book for three years. And after three years, the white page syndrome for me was not really a problem, but I get overwhelmed mm -hmm. with the structure and the content and how to make my position, my ideas in the right way. Mm -hmm. So it was a very humble realization. And I, need, I realized that I needed help. So I asked myself the question, Martin, is that book a nice to do or is that more deeper meaning? Mm -hmm. And that meaning of, you know, being my contribution didn't change. So I needed to do something different. So I hired a book coach that really helped me with structure and clarity. And we had a call every week. And my commitment to him was, I'm going to give you content every week. So yeah. no more excuses. I'm tired. I'm coming back on a plane. I don't have the juice. No, do it. And we'll have conversation about the structure. He will tell me that's not clear. I don't understand. 
And it was really helpful for me to take that concept to this final, this final book. Mm -hmm. And even today, my book is on the point to be uh, published, you know, the paper version of it. My book was my calling. This is what I needed to do over the last five years. It mm -hmm. just allowed me to be in contact with my own ego. We'll talk about that a little bit later, yeah. but writing a book, it's not easy. There's yeah. a lot of judgment, a lot of fears. And yeah, that's, I just feel it's my calling, just helping people. That, that's amazing. And, and so something you said really perked my ears up. Uh, not only did you go out of your way to get a book coach, but you made, you made the comment that, you know, no more excuses and, mm -hmm. and I've got to do it every way. And so every week, excuse me. And so the idea around accountability and, and seeking help for accountability, because so many people have all these great ideas and, and they just never do it. And, yeah. and they make up all kinds of excuses. And uh, you and I have had this conversation where, you know, I, I had started writing a book and for whatever reason, it didn't speak to me at the time, but this did what we're doing right now. Mm. And, um, you know, eight months later, seven months later, here I am with a whole bunch of guests. And so it, it, it talk a little bit about that, that aha moment when you really started to feel that you were making progress with the coach mm -hmm. versus by yourself. T talk to us a little bit about that journey. Um, it's, it's, for, it's really interesting because we all believe we can do it by ourselves. Yeah. Right? Either it's our background, our education, asking for help, that, that doesn't necessarily resonate yeah. with being able, strong, and, and being able to do it all. Um, asking for help is probably the most humble thing people can do. Yeah. And really, you know, for me, asking for help always being a sign of weakness. Why? Because I grew up in management, learning my way, learning my mm -hmm. rope. And I, I'm not going to ask for help. I'm going to prove you that I'm good. Yep. But proving ourselves or proving ourselves for what? For recognition, for, you know, to be loved, to be liked, to be accepted. And at the end of the day, and that's a very nice segue to talk about ego because ego, it's our learned personality. Right? Yep. This is, it develops when we're a baby, three months old, and it's heavily uh, impacted by our family dynamic. You know, mom's was there, dad was there, do they loved us or not? The church, the, the, the community around us. So proving ourselves self and trying to do it all it's really not helping our own fulfillment our own development so and i really appreciate when you said at the beginning that the book was well written sorry yeah. i don't consider myself as an author it's not natural for me to write i have content i have ideas but i need a lot of polishing and you know what that's a realization i came up with mm -hmm. do i want to publish a okay book that nobody will read because it's not clear enough right or am i humble enough to say no i think i need help and by asking for help it doesn't take anything away from me yeah. that was the biggest realization for me that's that's unbelievable that that asking for help isn't a sign of weakness and so 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 many people just refuse to whether acknowledge and or just simply accept that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for so many people, there, there becomes a, a very jarring period in their life that forces them to get help to change their mind. And, 
And in this case, luckily that wasn't the case. And so that realization I think is absolutely fantastic. I mean, as coaches, you and I certainly know that. And uh, you, you, were, you were talking about, uh, you made the comment around uh, how we all think we can do it ourselves because you know we're the best at it. And uh, makes me think of uh, Project Aristotle that, that Google did. They were trying to find the, the really, you know, the, the preeminent Google employee. And what they discovered was it's not the individual, it's the group. Mm-hmm. And so whether that's, you know, two people, you and your book coach or a group, a team within a company or a dental practice in my world, um it's it's the power is the power is reaching out for that help because we all we all have our own individual skills that we that we can contribute so let's and it's interesting because the skill we have are very narrow when you look at it from a bigger perspective yeah you coach dentists i coach executive people think they're the best and they might be the best you know but that doesn't mean that they have an, an understanding of what else absolutely and that's that's the, the 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 fun of that you know i'm a coach i can share with people why don't you ask for help and yeah. i can see their pain in their voice and their pain in their body language i'm like it's okay there's nothing wrong absolutely. with that but it's a huge step to overcome absolutely absolutely so so let's talk about another step to overcome so so let's talk about the concept of your book because I remember the first time that you were that you were sharing it with me and it really got my interest because it's certainly something that I love. And you think of business and you think of negotiation and you think of multi-million dollar practice, there's no room for mindfulness in, <laughs> in there. So um, talk to us a little bit about not, not just what, you know, it, it's kind of a combination question. So please forgive me. It's, it's all about, you know, what, what's negotiation to you? And, and how did mindfulness come into this relative to what mindfulness means to you? Help, help us connect the dots between the two. <laughs> so too many questions in one sentence, yeah, but yeah. I'll answer them all. That's yeah, not a problem. Yeah. So first of all, negotiation for me, it's a difference of point of view or mm-hmm. an opinion, an opinion about the potential outcome, right? If both of us, Martin, we agree to go to have a dinner tonight at X restaurant, there's mm-hmm. no need to negotiate because we agree. Yes. Right? If I want to buy a car, seller is putting their, their tag line, their tag price, you know, window pricing. Mm-hmm. I want to have a lower price. I negotiate with them. Okay. Yeah. So a negotiation is when we have a different perspective on a potential outcome. That yeah. doesn't mean we hate each other. That doesn't mean we're going to war. It's just a different view. Right? Yes. And e-commerce, you know, one of the strength of e-commerce, they have removed all potential negotiation. You know, when you buy from Amazon, the, the price is 100 bucks, the price is 100 bucks. If you want to yeah. pay 80, well, you have to go elsewhere. Yeah. Right? And negotiation, it's normally with other parties, mm-hmm. other parties, multiple parties, but sometimes we end up negotiating with ourselves. So in business, we're afraid to make the proposals, so we go a little bit lower, right? Mm-hmm. Or we don't want to um, damage our relationship, so we choose other words. Uh, so I go to the gym this morning because I didn't go yesterday. What kind yeah. of suit what am I wearing today? So negotiation is a constant battle either in, in business or with ourselves. So negotiation mm-hmm. is not like, oh, yeah, for the people that negotiate contract, we spend our days influencing and negotiating people with people. 
And I really appreciate your, your question about what's mindfulness and negotiations like really odd, right? So um, from a reader perspective, I, I think it's really uh, powerful as a question. Negotiation for me, it's, you know, the definition of it, it's all about intellect. It's all about planning, all about logic. If I tell my story, you should be able to believe my story, right? Mm -hmm. So we use a lot of persuasion. We use a lot of, I want to win, whatever it is. It's all about skills, talent, and structure. But we're missing the point here. Negotiation, it's about managing emotion. Mm. When negotiation start, or we find ourselves into a negotiation, we are triggered. Our ego is triggered, mm-hmm. right? And maybe this is a good place to talk a little bit about ego because a lot of people say, I don't believe I have an ego or <laughs> ego doesn't exist. Um, well, every time we are triggered, ego, this is the oldest structure of our brain. And it came up where our daily task was the difference between eating and versus being eaten, mm-hmm. right? So very instinctual, reactive reaction. This is almost our uh, survival, yeah. survival skills, right? So back in the days, that was very helpful. Today, is ego very helpful? There's no really threatening situation, you know, other than some healthcare uh, sure. situation. But our ego reacts the same way. So Every time we are triggered, our ego thinks, oh, my God, I have to survive. So negotiation, it's all about survival. So unconsciously, I'm going into a negotiation, Martin. I want to win. Mm -hmm. I want to prove myself right. I want to get more than the other side, right? So basically, meaning I win, they lose, right? It's unconscious. So really, we going in and we want to fight we want to have proposal that suit us not suiting them so this is all about emotion so when we plan for structure when we plan for logic and it doesn't go well now what we're getting stressed right if the negotiation doesn't go as planned now we're stressed we're afraid to lose the deal afraid to upset the other party we want to prove ourselves and when we are emotional, we're not making good decisions. Mm. And I'm sure you have friends that went to a divorce. It's like there is nothing rational in that in divorce where everybody's fighting for everything. You just want to hurt your ex-partner or your ex-partner ex-to-be. We're not very good human people managing emotion. So negotiation for me, it's all about being able to manage my emotion and the other party's emotion in real time. I can be very good with structure. I can be very good with methodology, but that doesn't mean I'm going to be a good negotiator if I don't know how to manage my own emotion. And this is where mindfulness and negotiation came together. There's a lot of book about business, a lot of book about negotiation, a lot of book about mindfulness. Yes. But to my knowledge, there's no book that marry both together, Mm -hmm. right? And it's not easy because business people, rational people, don't want to have anything to do with emotion, (laughs) right? Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. they think they don't have time. They don't have time or whatever the reason. They don't believe in it. I don't want yeah. to meditate for six hours, right? But 
mindfulness just help us to slow down the pace and just breathe, right? Okay. It's like, why are you taking that personal? It's not personal. Oh, okay. Just changing the perspective and giving us option as well to choose from another behavior. Yeah. No, I think that's fantastic. And, and I, I, you know, I've had a window into that from reading your book. And, and for those who are listening to this who haven't had the wonderful opportunity yet, you know, you talk about mindfulness, slowing down, keeping your ego in check, keeping your emotional in check. That's not easy. So, you know, do you, what, what's your, what's your secret sauce as it were, <laughs> uh, if we were, if we were a, a fast food chain, uh, what's your secret sauce to being mindful and, 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 you know, to share with people how to stay mindful in a given situation? Yeah, I love, I love this question, Martin. It's totally true. Mindfulness. It's not easy. And, and, it starts with some misconception, right? So people say, I, I don't have the time. I, I don't want to meditate for six hours. You know, it's not about that. Right. Or, or you don't understand my life. I'm bombarded with multiple priorities and, and I have my family, my work. I don't have the time to be mindful, right? Um, those are misperceptions. Uh, mis, uh, being mindful takes a lot of time. Being mindful is being in a moment right now. In this moment, you and I, Martin, there's mm-hmm. nothing else, right? Yep. When we are in our ego, ego brings a past mm-hmm. and worries about the future. So, for example, if I was not mindful on this call, I might be scared of not looking good, of not having all the right answer. Maybe sure. I will be insecure about the perception that you have of me. Right. So that's I'm worrying about the future, Mm -hmm. but it's based on my experience in the past. So when I was doing my own personal development, I came up with a very simple but innovative methodology to help people to be mindful Mm -hmm. and to go through a process because you can be mindful and not doing anything with it. And we're done. Yeah. So. It's a kind of a play on word. It's C for you. Yes. The fourth pillar that starts with C that will help with mindfulness. Okay. So the first C is uh, being connecting, connecting with yourself. Mm-hmm. We said mindfulness slow down. It's like, all right, so let's breathe. Let's remove the world from the, my thought process. Mm-hmm. Let's focus on this moment. And connecting with ourselves means focusing inward so what's happening in my body mm-hmm. my emotions my feelings and just doing that step martin for business people it's scary because we're told to ignore our body right we're told to ignore our emotion because emotion yeah. and business are not great but in this moment you feel something inside of you it could be joy it could be relaxation it could be interest there's something there mm-hmm. right Number two C or the second C is being curious. So being curious about the inner experience. Why am I so upset right now? Mm -hmm. Why am I so worried about the future? Mm -hmm. Right. And by observing what's going on, it's easier. For example, I feel that I'm angry. By naming the emotion like that, it kind of remove ourselves from the emotion. I cannot yep. observe an experience and be the experience at the same time. Yep. So allowing me to observe is like, okay, I'm upset. 
I'm upset. Right. Okay. I just said that, <laughs> and I'm. I don't act. I don't have to act about it. Right. I can right. just say it. And now the curious part is, I'm wondering why. Where is that coming from? Why am I upset today? You know, I was expecting that person to do this to me. She, he didn't do that. I'm upset. Why? Why is that? Where is that coming from? Right. Mm-hmm. So really, be curious about it. That leads me to the third C which is compassion toward ourselves. Mm-hmm. Because when we're curious and say, oh my God, this is how I was when I was a kid. I'm so ashamed of myself. No, you know, primal reaction or survival reaction can kick in. And now we can judge ourselves. We can be ashamed or whatever. We're not going to grow if we're just judging ourselves. Mm-hmm. Right? So C3, very important pillar about having compassion for yourself, whatever comes up, that's not who we are. Mm-hmm. If I, I realize that I'm an angry pe- pe- person, impatient, that's not the real me. That's my ego. Yeah. Right? And this can be C1, C2, C3. You go back to C2. It's, it's a circle, right? It's not a linear mm-hmm. process. Mm-hmm. The fourth C called change or choices the purpose of being mindful is to behave differently. Mm -hmm. And to behave differently, we need to be in a different state of mind and asking ourselves different questions. For example, what can I learn from this situation? You know, somebody's yelling at me instead of being reactive and just want to fight back. What can I learn from that? Mm -hmm. How can I help that person to be not that angry, right? What if this, the other person is right? Is that taking something out of me, right? Because we want to defend our, our perspective. Mm-hmm. And the answer for me will come as a choice or a different option. And it will come from a place of knowing, an intuition, a gut feeling, something in our body that it's not from our head, mm-hmm. right? It will come up like, like that. And I just want to give you an example, Martin. I think I shared that with you. I moved from Montreal to California in 2016. It was my dream since I was a teenager to live in California. Why, rationally speaking, I don't know. (laughs) I've been to California 30 times before I moved. And every time I land, I feel like I'm coming home. So there's something there. You know, I got married, I got kid, I got divorced, now the time to leave, my parents are getting older. And one day I said, okay, time out here. Why am I doing stuff to please other people? Mm. Why am I not doing what I want? Well, mom is going to be upset or my kids are going to be really sad, right? There was always something. So that was prior to my own development, but I must have done this, this work in this shape. Like, okay, what's going on here? Why? Mm -hmm. Who's preventing me to go to California? My mom. No, she didn't say a thing. My kids. No, they're supporting me. So that was my ego creating a scenario that if you move, nobody will like you. Nobody will love you. Nobody will talk to you. You'll lose your friend. And when I did that process, I came to the fourth pillar and I'm like, no, if I don't choose for myself today, Nobody will ever do because there's never a good timing, right? My parents are 80s and more uh, older. 
that's not the time to leave when they're 80s. Right? Absolutely. So this process for me, I'm so happy that I followed that guideline, that mindfulness approach, because moving to California was my dream. And when I shared that with my parents, I knew they will react negatively. I knew they will cry. But I said, this is where I feel I'm going to be happy. Right. There's no other reason than this is where I feel I need to go next. Mm -hmm. So was I afraid? Yes, of course. Was I scared? Of course. But I felt inside of me that was the right thing to do. Absolutely. And when I talk about choice or change, it takes courage, right? But that voice, you know it's the right thing to do when you are in the right frame of mind. Absolutely. Yeah. Recently, uh, before we filmed this, uh, <clears throat> a couple of weeks ago, there was a singer on America's Got Talent. I don't know if you saw this. No. And she, uh, she is fighting cancer and has like a 2% chance of survival. Mm. And she got up there and she sung. She goes, her, her stage name is Nightbird. And she went up there. She was beautiful. She got the golden buzzer, which is like a big deal. But what she said really struck me. She said, you can't wait till life isn't hard anymore before you choose to be happy. Yeah. And I remember sitting there in my living room, rewinding my DVR, going, wait, what did she say? And um, it's so true. And, and using your methodology, your, your C4U methodology can kind of help you as you describe um, through not just negotiation, but also other things in your life as, as you described. Yeah. And so uh, I want to stay with a book for, for just a little bit longer because I got to ask you a question. Uh, <laughs> I was really enjoying, I am really enjoying the book, have enjoyed the book, and you have a character in the book. Mm -hmm. And the character is named Alexis. Mm -hmm. And uh, not the same one from that other show produced in Canada, but uh, Alexis. And so, it just feels so real to me. Like, who, who's Alexis? Like, you got to tell us what the story is behind this, this, this woman in the book. Who Martha, you, you want to meet her, right? That's, that's the <laughs> purpose do. of that question. Uh, so, so first of all, I really appreciate what you're telling me about the character, how it's written. Yeah. Alexis, it's not a real person. Bah, okay. bah, bah. <laughs> it's it's a character um yeah. so first of all i read several books written by robin sharma i don't know if you know him mm -hmm. he's always using a character to be the medium to you know to deliver the message so sure. I, I just thought it might be a bit more easy for the readers to do that alexis is, is not a real person but it's based on real life event right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. a young sales representative very confident, very outgoing, going through negotiation without getting any training and really learning the hard way, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Her boss is telling her what to do and do this and you'll be fine. And it doesn't go as planned. And she is miserable. Mm -hmm. And she goes through executive coaching and really go through the step of the C4U steps. Her failure, her success, it's really what's happening in real life right mm -hmm. so the yeah. situation are real but the, the character is obviously sure. fictitious yeah no it, it certainly felt real for me that that's for darn sure um and you know i love how you not only have this character but you know the 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 back half of the book so to speak is you know really practical other lessons yeah. relative to life and and um it kind of perked my ear up because i've had several climbers 
on my channel to climb mm. Everest and some others. And so what, what's the, I, I have to ask you, what's the connection for you between climbing and negotiation? Tell, tell us a little bit about that. Uh, it's, it's an interesting question because the first image for me that I'm thinking when I think about negotiation is about climbing a mountain. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Because climbing a mountain, it's easy from the outside looking in. Mm -hmm. Negotiation, everybody can do it, no problem. I can negotiate until you are in negotiation and you lose control. Yeah. So when you climb, you know, a bit of training, oh yeah, I can climb any mountain, it's easy. When you start climbing, the path is clear, you're not out of breath, it's easy. Mm -hmm. The beginning of the negotiation, normally it's easy unless you must deliver a bad news but the beginning is strictly uh, straightforward as you climb higher it's coming steeper you're getting out of breath right you you don't have a lot of oxygen you even take willing to take risk to achieve the summit like you know climbing Mount Everest mm -hmm. and negotiation is the same thing the longer you negotiate the more emotion to have the less it goes as planned you lose control Mm -hmm. And you're also willing to take risks to achieve a deal, not the summit, but a deal. Sure. By accepting a bad deal just for the sake of accepting a deal, right? And sometimes you feel you have no choice than to just keep going, even mm -hmm. if the, the best thing to do will take a time out and just relax a little bit. So as you read through the book, all the situation in the second part are related to mountain, right? When mm -hmm. you hear mountain rumblings, when the volcano erupts. So for me, there's a lot of similarity, a lot of skills in both. I am passionate about Mount Everest. I mm -hmm. want to climb Mount Everest, but I know in my heart that if I don't train with a coach and I practice, there is no way I can do that, nope. right? And negotiation doesn't have the same drama, but people think it's easy. So when I, I do consulting with my clients, I coach the negotiator, obviously, but I also help them to manage their internal stakeholder. Mm. Because negotiating is like, what the hell? You, you start high and you finish low and that's, there's no secret there, secret. But in reality, it's very difficult because of emotion, because of how we feel. Right. And climbers, it's a sign that sometimes they want to prove themselves. Sometimes yeah. they take risk and they want to show that they are able to do it. So there's a lot of ego yeah. when you do al high altitude climbing. Sure. And, you know, hats off to people that are 500 feet from the summit and they say, you can, you, there's no way we can do it. Let's go back down. Because this is all about being in a moment and say, all right, I'm putting myself too much at risk. I'm going to forego my ego here and just go back down. Absolutely. No, I, I think I love the analogy. And, and we talked earlier about asking for help. That's foregoing your ego as well. And so foregoing your ego and being present in the moment and, and uh, you know, reality testing uh, using an emotional intelligence term uh, to really understand where you are in this space right now Um and, and, I, and I love what you said earlier, too, about being in this space and being mindful relative to the example you used was around, you know, if you were to come on this recording and, you know, worry about how you would be perceived or how the background would look, et cetera. I've actually never thought of it that way before. Mm -hmm. And so it's 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 a litmus test, is it not? 
you know, yeah. if, if you're thinking about anything other than being in the present moment about how you're being perceived or is, is, oh my gosh, did I just say something stupid? Well, mm -hmm. probably not. And so, yeah. Yeah. And, and probably the only person that noticed it is you. Um, so I think that's, that's really fantastic advice and an additional tool, if you will, to, to kind of go through. So, you know, I guess as we kind of start to kind of wrap up our time together, a couple more things I want to cover. So relative to negotiation, because I also love what you said, I love a lot of what you said about <laughs> how it's most difficult to communicate, to negotiate with our own selves. Yes. And so much in life is negotiation. And, uh, you know, you were talking about buying things on e-commerce and, you know, today, you know, you can buy a car online. I mean, I bought my last car online in 15 minutes, including financing. Mm -hmm. Didn't have to negotiate at all. So, yeah. but, but you can't escape it in life. Yeah. And so, what kind of advice if somebody came up to you and out of the blue and said, Hey, I want to get better in negotiation. Like, what would you say to them? It's a big question. It's, it's a big question. And uh, I appreciate you bringing that up because negotiation and influencing, we do that 10 times a day. Yeah. Like all yeah. of us, kids, parents, professional. Yeah. So for me, the, the ability to be a better negotiator is to understand emotion first. Mm -hmm. and plan for what can happen. Mm -hmm. So for example, I'm planning to deliver a bad news to a customer. Whatever bad news is a price increase or I cannot deliver your product on time, I'm preparing for bad news. I need to be able to plan for a reaction on their side. I need to be able to plan what if it fears like strangling me, right? I cannot sure. talk, I can just use fake language, mm -hmm. I need to be able to plan to be in control. Mm -hmm. And I need to practice those skills, right? So you can be a good negotiator, even if you don't, you never been trained, if you're aware of your own emotion and just the ability to slow down time and say, all right, what's going on here? Mm -hmm. I'm in fear. Okay, so that's a good step. Name yeah. what's going on, it's a first step, right? Yeah. And after that is being able to stay calm, right? Um, in, in some other areas, they call it being in the zone. Mm -hmm. Being yeah. in the zone is like everything slows down to a crawl, but your brain is like super active. What else is there? I see that from the corner of my eye. That's it in negotiation, right? Negotiation, people don't like it. So they go straight to their finish line and their finish line is oftentimes their lowest acceptable position mm -hmm. because they just want to be done with it, right? Yeah. It's almost like negotiation is threatening our survival and we just want to go straight to the finish line. My advice will be slow down, talk about emotion, plan for your emotion, ask for help, right? Um, negotiation are going to be almost 100% emotional. Right. And we're not a good negotiator when we negotiate something that we're emotionally attached. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's the main reason why surgeons are not allowed to do surgery on their, on their family members. True. Exactly yeah. the same thing, right? Yeah. So being able to control your emotion ask for help, slow down, plan for what-if scenarios if you need to do that. But it's really practicing to be in those situations without losing control. 
I, I think that's awesome. And I was going to actually ask you kind of um, a closing question around the idea that you've written this book, as we talked about earlier, nobody forced you to write this book. Like what advice would you give to somebody who wants to give up? But you just gave that advice because it's, it's, it's the same thing. It's negotiating externally versus internally, keeping your emotions in check, not allowing them to kind of cloud your vision and then figuring out, okay, what's my next step. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it's kind of interesting how that works, isn't it? That it, it's kind of one in the same. So. It is. And, and writing a book for sure, you're going to fight your ego. Yeah. Right? The first purpose is why am I writing a book? It yeah. sounds like a, you know, an easy question, but you need to understand what's the intent behind it. Yep. Right. So let's say you just want to demonstrate that you're so intelligent in the field. Well, it will come across like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So really understand setting the intent, understand what's going on. You know, what's my intent in my next negotiation? Is it to win at all costs? Is that what I'm really looking for? And really asking questions and just, you know, answering and just being in the right frame of mind to be successful. That's great advice. Be in the moment, be in the right frame, keep our ego in check, connect to what it is we really want out of this situation. And don't be afraid to take that next step up the mountain, so to speak. Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, Gaetan, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we'll go ahead as we usually do post uh, his contact and or uh, other information below. And so just want to remind everybody, please don't forget to hit subscribe and click the notification so you don't miss out on any of our next guests, book reviews or heart to hearts. And remember, life speaks to you. If you think it doesn't, you're not listening. Take care, everybody. We'll see you soon. Bye bye.